and welcome to Decove, the Disney Channel unoriginal podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Sabrina. Each week, we rewatch a Disney Channel original movie and discuss the good, the bad, and the cringy in an attempt to create the ultimate decom ranking. We'll be talking everything from script analysis to fashion to behind-the-scenes trivia. This week, since it's our very first episode and the start of spooky season, we'll be discussing one of the most iconic decoms of all time. The 1998 classic, Halloween Town, starring Kimberly J. Brown and Debbie Reynolds. All of October, we will be reviewing some of our favorite Halloween-themed Disney Channel movies. But to be clear, this is not an exclusively Halloween-themed decom podcast. We will be getting into some of the other beloved decoms in the upcoming months. Megan, hit us with a summary. When 13-year-old Marnie discovers she comes from a long line of powerful witches, she and her siblings must band together to help her grandmother save Halloween Town from evil forces. Let's just dive right in. Sabrina, what is your kind of like memory of this from when you were a kid before you rewatched it? I honestly didn't remember much of the plot. I remembered specifically how Debbie Reynolds looks in the movie, like the costume and her as the grandma incredible. I remembered Kimberly J. Brown as the lead because she was in Quince, which is after this. Um, But I remember her from (laughs) Quince specifically. And then the big town pumpkin. Ah, Those are my specific memories of this movie. I got you. So I loved this movie as a kid. It might have been like one of my favorite decoms. I know for certain it was my favorite Halloween movie growing up. Because I was, like, very... I was such a scaredy cat as a kid. I still am. Like, I can't really watch horror films because I get nightmares. But as a kid, it was so bad. And Halloween Town was really, like, one of the only Halloween-themed movies that didn't scare the poop out of me. (laughs) So that was, like, one of the reasons why I loved it. I would watch it whenever it came on. I even remember, like, we recorded it on a VHS tape. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I didn't own it. Yeah, I didn't own it on VHS. We recorded it on the TV so that I could have it and I would watch it because I loved this movie. So like a lot of it, I think I did kind of remember the plot and stuff just because I watched it so much as a kid. But it was interesting watching it now after not having been able to watch it for many, many, many years. So this movie, I looked it up. It has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. That that makes sense. That tracks. I was so excited when I saw that number <laughs> because I was I was like I feel like I love this but I don't think the public would and I'm so happy that it has an 80. It's such like a childhood classic for so yeah. many people that you just have to love it because of the nostalgia. Yeah like, but it's just the, so good. I think the Rotten Tomatoes is like critics and then the audience score is like people like you and me. So, right, so I was the audience score. The audience score is actually a 72%, which I was interested. Yeah, I, it's usually like reverse. Audience score right. is always higher. But certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> so I just wanted to give like a quick little deep dive on the writers and directors. So this movie was written by Paul Birnbaum, John Cooksey, and Allie Marie Matheson. So... Paul Birnbaum, he kind of wrote like the story and he did help write the screenplay. Paul was a writer on the TV show 21 Jump Street, you know, the one with Johnny Depp when he was younger. Yeah. And he had a few other writing credits that I didn't really recognize. And it looked like he kind of took a hiatus for a few years. 
But he has an upcoming movie that he's written in the works called Maggie Moores that's going to star John Hamm, Tina Fey, and Nick Muhammad, who plays uh, Nathan on Ted Lasso. I yeah. want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I'm I don't know what it's about, but I want to see it. I don't either. Yeah. And then John Cooksey and Ali Marie Matheson, they kind of appear to be a bit of a writing duo. They both worked on the TV show Rugrats. Yeah. Oh, classic. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. And like the accompanying movies, they were credited with some stuff on that. And then they also both wrote the screenplay for Halloween Town 2. Paul Burnham wasn't credited on that. He, you know, he's credited with creating the characters, but they just wrote Halloween Town and Halloween Town 2, not the third and fourth one. Okay. Yeah. The movie was directed by Dwayne Dunham, who went on to direct some other great DCOM classics like The 13th Year, Double Teamed, Right on Track, Now You See It. And he also directed a classic Disney movie that I loved as a kid, Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. Did you ever really? watch that? Yes. Do you that one? I loved I that movie. The one, if, if you're not familiar, it's about the two dogs and a cat who like travel the country to find their owners. It's really cool. Yeah, he directed some iconic Disney some, movies. Some bangers. Yeah. Uh, also, just a fun fact, he was one of the lead editors on Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's also in like the editing department of a few other movies, like some other Star Wars movies, and I think one of the Indiana Jones. But he was lead editor on Episode Six, so I thought that was pretty cool. This that guy really has cool. lived a life. I want to meet him. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah. done some incredible things. Yeah, for sure. Let's just let's get into this. I think okay. my first comment that I would like to say is yeah. Debbie Reynolds is phenomenal in this movie. Incredible, like. So, so good. And I think the thing for me is that she's Debbie Reynolds, and this is a low-budget Disney Channel movie. She could have easily phoned it in and still have been good, but she didn't. But she that's is not good. Debbie Reynolds. No. <laughs> she doesn't do that. She no. said, low-budget Disney movie, going hard. Let's go. Yes. She went so hard, and she didn't overdo it. But, like, she is just so good in this. So yeah. good. There are Absolutely. just um, so many scenes where I I believed everything. I believed that she was 200 years old and yeah. that she's been around the block and that she is a very powerful witch who's so proud of her legacy. Like, oh, my gosh. No, it's something- amazing. Something I remember noting when I was watching it was she was just dramatic enough without being like over the top like yes. she she had that perfect balance of like grounded and dramatic in this like very cheesy halloween film and i loved it yes and i i also loved like her relationship with all the other characters like specifically that scene where she and marnie are on the broom flying through the air that was such a sweet scene it was a touching beautiful moment i really enjoyed it and that leads me into one of my points, which I loved, specifically the broom scene. There were some 90s phrases in this movie that just made me cackle. And in that one, he was like, I'm the big cheese around here, like Luke. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, people said this. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think, like, Marnie called 
Calabar like, hey, chocolate bar or something, like as it's an <laughs> insult. So, okay, I have never understood that line until watching it this time. And I realized it's it's a play on his name. His name is yeah. Calabar. And she calls him chocolate bar. Yeah, I never no, it, realized that before. I, I always thought that she was just like, it was a lame insult. Yeah, no, I, I had to sit and think about it for a second. Then I was like, oh, it's Calabar. But just the graphics and the cover picture on Disney Plus, just uh, the most it. 90s, the yeah. most 90s. And it was heartwarmingly 90s to me. Yeah, it was like nostalgia in a movie. Yeah. Well, um, and speaking about 90s, I really want to bring up the fact that the the CGI in the movie... Now, granted, they didn't use a lot of CGI, which is uh, something I want to get into later about what I loved about the movie. But the parts where they did use CGI, it wasn't bad. Mm -mm. I mean... Surprisingly. (laughs) I mean, like, the bus flying in, that looked a little janky, but I loved it. Loved it. Like... Think about the ghost. The ghost from that scene where they get the sweat of the ghost. That looked really good. The ghost was great. They had, like, really good CGI moments, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I I liked that they used them sparingly. I think probably my number one favorite thing about this movie is the practical effects and the makeup. The fact that, like, they didn't use a lot of CGI. Most of this was practical effects. Puppets. I read that Benny the skeleton mm-hmm. is actually was actually a robot. So that like his face moving wasn't yeah. CGI. It was a robot moving, which also was kind of funny that like they had his eyebrows and his cheekbones moving, even though it was a skull. There's no muscles. Right. But it, it was such an interesting choice to make to that he didn't look just like a dead skeleton, you know? He was animated, and I loved it. The practical yeah. effects were just so good. No, I completely agree. One of my favorite things was the prosthetics and the makeup. And yeah. now a lot of the people who had the makeup, it was just from their shoulders up. The rest mm-hmm. of their body was human. There were very few that had like full body, but the ones that you did see, the full body was insane. It Intricate. was so well done. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even the like the masks. heads were great. Yeah, yeah. Like the masks, the people who did have the heads up, it was so well integrated on their face to where they moved. Now, mm-hmm. not all of them. I think, I, you know, the budget yeah. was low and, you know, it's the 90s. But a lot of like their faces moved with the pieces so well. And I think that's what made it feel so real. And that's yeah. just something I really like personally. I in any movie from any time, any genre, I will take practical effects, special effects makeup over CGI characters any day of the week. I completely agree. I absolutely love prosthetics and like FX makeup. And this one, I like watching it now, I was like, this is so much better than I ever expected, like makeup yeah. wise. And I think what they did right was that they did it in the most over-exaggerated, kind of like stereotypical monster like way yeah. that it worked to their favor because they didn't have the technology and the makeup and stuff that we have now. For what they had, they did the right thing with it. Absolutely. And I think that's why it worked so well. I mean, it, it just, it blew, it blew me away. I thought it was yeah. so good. Another thing that I absolutely loved about this movie is that every single actor in this film 
is acting their butts off. Yep. Like, not just the main characters, which I'm sure we will talk about later, like Marnie, Calabar. Uh, we already talked about Debbie Reynolds. But specifically, every side character is going above and beyond. Like, the two-headed men, that woman who was a pincushion, which was kind of yeah. weird, but I loved it. <laughs> um, the wolf barber, the ghost, that vampire, the broom salesman. Every single side character who's on screen for maybe like 30 seconds they are all just this is the performance of their lifetime and yeah. it adds so much to this movie i also think the townspeople at like the end when calabar's doing his whole thing it's so interesting to me because one second they're so on board with his plan that <laughs> they're like yeah like fuck the humans let's take over and then when he's when he's like defeated they're like oh my god you're the best you're the hero <laughs> thank you so much for saving us and i think it's so interesting but all of the actors in it they were committed 110 yes. percent, and i think that's why it was like so noticeable that it was like so opposite reactions but i kind of yeah. loved it i thought it was very funny <laughs> i had a i have that written in my negatives <laughs> um, we'll get there see i <laughs> not, I not them hilarious. acting like that i thought I, the directorial choice was a little muddled of like you know how, we'll, we'll how did there. they feel yeah yeah how did they feel about calabar and his reign i mean um plot, but like they they committed you are correct they all yeah. committed but yeah, I loved I loved these side characters. They just yeah. they're acting their tuckuses off. <laughs> yeah. It, like they didn't need to go that hard, but they did and I'm so happy they did. Mm -hmm. For sure. The casting in this movie so is well so good. Not just the side characters, Kimberly J Brown, so good. I am a Kimberly J stan. Love me some KJB. <laughs> now, I I I have to bring up something that I think is my favorite part of the movie. Oh, and go that, ahead. That's Sophie. Sophie deserved better. She deserved more. She mm. is so interesting. So good. Yes, ma'am. I have written down uh, right here. I think Sophie is the best character in the movie. I completely agree. 110%. I love and, Sophie. <laughs> and I think that Sophie is the most powerful witch in the world. Yep. Yep. She is the, like, I Kimberly J. Brown is amazing, and I think she does a great job in this movie, but I think that Sophie is the best character in the film. 100%. Yeah, I, and, well, I'll, I'll get to that later, because this, this comes into kind of things I would want to, like, see more over, like, things I would yeah. change. I just think Sophie is so, like, understated, yet so yes. freaking important yes. in this movie. And I'm like, how is she, yeah. like... A side character like i need her more yeah. i need so she, much more of her she's first of all they cast the cutest kid i think that has ever existed absolutely <laughs> yeah she is just so cute and sophie really does the heavy lifting when it comes to all the magic in the movie yes she's the one who remembers everything she's the one who like makes everything work like yeah because marty can't and if yeah. sophie wasn't there it would never would have been fixed yeah 100%. That's something I, and you know, we'll watch the the subsequent Halloween Town films eventually, but that is something that has always bothered me, even when I was a kid, is how progressively from the first movie to the last, Sophie's character is just like slowly written out of the franchise. 
Like yeah. the second movie, she's she's in it, but she's not as in it as the first one. I think she's on screen maybe a minute in the third one. And no. then she's not in Halloween Town 4. But yeah, I think that that is a big, big downfall of the franchise is not realizing how good they had it with Sophie. Yeah, they could have done so much more with her. Yeah. Also, Dylan is very funny. <laughs> I loved Dylan. See, I was so on the fence about Dylan. Because I really? was like, I was like, he is very annoying and I get that's his goal. But <laughs> I was like, they made him into like this little adult that has too much of a moral compass for a child. Does that and make I sense? I loved it. I loved and, it. <laughs> like, granted, I know children who act like him, but I'm just like, I understand what he does in the role of the siblings. And I think it works very well. They need yeah. Dylan. Um, I also think, which this goes into fashion, um, but his outfit, just like, they could have given him something more like kid-like. I didn't believe him as a child. <laughs> I did. I, the I actor did. was great. But I don't know. I I think Dylan has some of the funniest lines in the entire movie. He, oh, he does. made me he made me laugh out loud so much. And I thought that child actor was so good. He's I incredible. loved like you said he was annoying and he annoyed you. His annoying things made me laugh. And I like that's why I think why I liked him so much. I think he really killed that role. And I definitely think no, the actor killed mm-hmm. Dylan. Like he was so good as Dylan. I think it was more like the writing of the character. I was like, I wish there was a little more child in him. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because, because they bring up like, he's the man of the house. I don't know if he, like, that's why they were writing him that way. If it's like, he feels responsibility. So he feels like he has to be the adult, which I could see. But Mm -hmm. in, in Halloween town, you're in this town, like you're seeing all of these crazy characters and he just doesn't, have that like kid like reaction to it i kind of wish yeah. he had a little more of i i'm gonna have to disagree with you on this one this is interesting though i'm i'm happy that we're disagreeing <laughs> i really liked how they wrote dylan i liked that he was like a little adult because i thought it was funny i think i think that he him being in halloween town and him being such a science geek him like looking around and being like i've just succumbed to the fact that i'm hallucinating it was just, no. it was so funny that he is so rooted in practicality and the real world. And I think it offered such a great juxtaposition to Marnie. Like, I don't think he could have had the childlike wonder because it wouldn't have contrasted with Marnie and Sophie enough. I And I totally get that. I think, I think they needed him to be more practical and more logical than the other two. Yeah, I guess I was just while watching it, I just wish I could have seen moments where his kid kind yeah. of came out. But yeah. I completely agree why, or like, I completely understand why they put yeah. him in the way they did well, and wrote him there, the way they did. There were a few moments. I think you, they could, probably could have added, but like the bedtime story at the beginning where he comes in and he's trying to act like he doesn't want to hear the bedtime story. And yeah. then there was a moment where all three of the kids get excited about something that Grandma Aggie says. And then the mom looks at them and Dylan is like, I mean, no, like, I think they could have done more to like, let him have fun. Yeah. I, I wanted to see it more in Halloween town, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that's because as a kid walking into that, 
Mm-hmm. And you can be like logical and practical, but still be like, this is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, I agree with you. He has some mm-hmm. of the funniest lines throughout this movie. So He's like some of the funniest jokes. It, it was great. <laughs> I another great casting decision I think was the actor who played Calabar. Mm-hmm. I thought he was very good. Yeah. I it's loved good. when Gwen comes in and he sees her for the first time in a while. That yeah. moment I was like I'm hooked on Calabar. Like I love mm-hmm. this moment. I love this like interaction between them. Now, I do got to say I wanted to see more Gwen. I love her. <laughs> mm. I and you, you disagree? Um, no, 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 no. I don't disagree. Actually, okay. And I'll I'll speak more on this, but I'll uh-huh. just I'll leave it at like I wanted to see more of Gwen. We'll uh we'll save. Let's get through the rest of our positives, and then we can circle back to that because I I think we both have things we want to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Do you have any more that you would like to bring up? I think. Something that I thought was funny, just like a small layer. I know it was not the whole thing, but Calabar kind of becoming evil because Gwen left him for a human. That petty as fuck, and I love it. Like, I love that energy. Like, I get that that was not the whole reason, but I know it's a part of it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I thought it was also, they, so funny. They probably dated in like high school. So it really is that meme where like that girl broke up with me in seventh grade and now I hurt everyone I love. Yeah, exactly. But I think that one is something that's small, but I think as an adult watching it, I'm like, oh man, that's good. Like I love yeah. that layer. I really loved the world building of Halloween Town. I thought that it was just incredible. I would have liked a little more lore, uh, which we I, we can talk more about in the negatives. But I thought the just the general world building of you know these creatures are running barber shops and there's a dentist's office and the um, the aerobics class and them playing basketball. I just thought the world building was amazing you know i absolutely agree and i think that's one thing that they put so much focus and probably most of their budget on and i'm so glad they did like i'm pretty sure shows yeah i'm pretty sure they spent their whole budget on debbie reynolds and building halloween town (laughs) yeah which was salary (laughs) right which was the right choice yes (laughs) Um, because all of all the right choices. <laughs> yeah, they they made that movie. And I feel like as a kid watching it, I wanted to visit Halloween Town. Like yes. I wanted to see how they all lived their lives and yeah. you know, I love that they have those like everyday like quote unquote human things. You like the barber, the dentist, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And you just see these like monsters living their lives. Yeah, um it was and, and, cute. Yeah, in like the same way you do. So mm-hmm. it also kind of spoke to the thing of like, oh, if someone's different from you, you know, not everyone's that different. Like we're all still beings, you know, yeah. even if they look different, they still live in very similar ways as you do. And I think it uh, also helps like little kids who are scared of creatures and stuff. You know, you watch this and you're like, oh, maybe they're not as scary. I don't need to, you know, check under my bed for monsters because monsters are nice 
Right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they go get their hair cut like I do. Or like, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's humanizing these like scary yeah. beings for so kids. Cute. Yeah, I I loved it. And I think just the the places that they did build specifically, like the broom shop, like outside of the broom shop yeah. and the town square and stuff like that, they really put so much detail into it that mm-hmm. you couldn't help but be like, especially as a kid, like you couldn't help but be like, this has to be real. Like this is so intricate and cool and detailed that like they they put so much effort into it and it it works so well. For, yeah, like, it, it really shows like the world building. And that also goes hand in hand with, you know, what we said about all the actors acting their mm-hmm. butts off. They, yeah. you know, both of those things combined. It makes the movie so good. Right. Those we little would, details are amazing. Yeah. We wouldn't believe the town if the people yeah. in it didn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes this such a, an iconic movie for, you know, millennials is that the town was you believed it it felt magical and yeah. the the effort that went into that is what makes people keep coming back to this movie years 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 later right i completely agree i now, also liked the score the score was great <laughs> it was really good when it the first uh, when it first opened i was like i love this i love this mu- music yeah it's really good It created a great mood for the movie. Yeah. For sure. Super fun. Yeah. Okay. I I do want to hear what you disliked about this movie because I have some some opinions on things. Okay. I will say overall that I think I enjoyed this movie more than I disliked it. Like I I do have things I disliked, but they didn't ruin the movie for me. They were just uh, yeah. kind of things where I was like, oh, I, you know, that could have been better. And uh, most of them really are all script things. Mine, too. Not, Mine like, as well. Looking at it. I don't think there was a single bad actor in this movie. I think it was all script things that I disliked. I, I have something controversial yet brave to say. The floor is yours. We respect you here. The first item on my dislike list is uh, Marnie. I I think Kimberly J. Brown played the crap out of Marnie. I think she did great. Marnie was kind of annoying and entitled and not as interesting to me as Sophie. And I know that those are big words to be thrown out here, but I wish Sophie was the lead the whole movie. I was like, I wish Sophie was the lead. I want to see more of her. Marnie, I get it. She's a 13-year-old girl. We're all annoying at 13. But I wish there was just a little more in her character because I was just wishing Sophie was the lead the whole time. Wow. (laughs) I know. Controversial. This is, that's a, that's a bomb to drop. Yeah. And you know what? I don't fully disagree with you. Not what I was expecting. (laughs) I don't fully disagree with you. Now I will say, so in my original notes that I took writing, I did write down, uh, I think in the beginning, I was like, Marnie's kind of a brat, the mm-hmm. way she speaks to her mother. But I took that out. I wasn't going to bring it up because she is kind of a brat, but it didn't bother me as much as it does in other films where I think a kid is acting like a brat. 
I think it kind of established their relationship a little more. But like she she was talking to her mother in a way that I don't think uh, yeah. I would talk to my mother. <laughs> but it, for some, I think I don't know. For some reason, it didn't really bother me as much as I think it typically does. And maybe that's Kimberly J. Brown. Also, later on, when they're in Halloween Town and she's speaking to her mother in a way that I wouldn't, I was kind of like, "Girl, let it fly," because Gwen is in the wrong here. <laughs> so, and I also yes. think in Halloween Town. She just had this like entitlement that like she's like I'm a witch and I know everything now and I'm like yeah. girl Sophie's doing everything like you are doing <laughs> yeah. nothing like I don't understand why you think you're the hero here when you aren't and I know that's like a big statement but Sophie was the one who remembered the spell there was one point when well Sophie was the one who opened the lock to the house but there was the point where Marnie was trying to figure out something that Aggie said to her and she repeated it and somehow got to the resolution. Like it didn't make any sense to get to the resolution from that quote that Aggie said. Mortal see, mortal do. Right. Yes. That's the one. And I was like, how did she go from mortal see, mortal do to fixing the entire problem? Like that didn't make sense to me. But then from there, she was like, I win. (laughs) Like I, I know what to do. And I was like, girl, you aren't doing half of this. <laughs> like, it's all stuff other people have done for you or told you. I So I think I could see, I feel like this was done intentionally because you have to remember that they talk about when a witch turns 13, if they haven't begun their training, they lose their powers. So Marnie has slowly been losing her powers. So it makes sense that Sophie has a stronger connection to her powers, right. you know? but. Yeah, right. I like I get that, but why then is Marnie the lead? It's just not as interesting. If they would have put more of Sophie in there and made it more of like a team thing rather than Marnie yeah, being I, I did think it was a team thing. I thought it was a team thing for moments. I didn't think at the end it seemed like a team thing. Yeah, but you can't I feel like labor laws, you can't make a child that young climb a pumpkin. <laughs> no, but at least they could have done something where they were all involved. You know? I just yeah. I just think Marty yeah. kind of took the like reins, like kind of yanked the reins and was like, I did it. And I was like, but you didn't. Yeah. Like everyone helped. And I think yeah. that's what like annoyed me about her was she was kind of just like entitled for no reason. Yeah. I think her character gets more interesting in the second movie if I remember correctly. But I, you know what? I can definitely see just from like a script point because I do yeah. love Kimberly J. Brown and I do love Marnie as a character. Like I I loved that name too, but I named yeah. like a lot of stuffed animals Marnie. <laughs> <laughs> Something that I wanted to bring up was the character of Luke. Mm. Now, um, I liked Luke's character. But I felt like he could have been integrated into the story a little bit better. I agree. You know? I just... And I think that would take me a bit to kind of figure out how to do that. But I just felt like he kind of was thrown in there. And then he was brought back at kind of weird moments. I just... I think that... I don't think that we didn't need him. And I liked his character. 
I just think it could have been integrated better. I know. Because of the way they integrated him very like sparsely into this, at the end when he has that moment with Marnie, it felt very much like the trope of like a boy being mean to a girl because he likes her. And and I was like, it just because they didn't fully give him an arc that he yeah. needed, it didn't come off like right and it didn't ruin it by any means for no. me. No. Not but it just all. didn't, I felt like it didn't come off the way they wanted it to. Yeah, I did write in that, write down that like that moment at the end where he said, you know, even when I was handsome, I didn't have a shot with a girl like you because I was evil. Like I was doing bad. And I I liked that idea, but I don't think we needed it. It didn't really fit with how they integrated him into the story. Yeah. Um, it didn't ruin it. Like, I've seen other things where I've been like, this love story is not necessary. We didn't need it. This didn't upset me at all. I just wish that it could have been. I think it could have been better. It could have. And like, I completely agree. I don't think he should be like written out by any means. Like, I I do like his character. I think they just could have, you know, done it better. Yeah. Um, This is something neither bad nor good. But the very end of the movie, they have Luke driving the bus he's 13 right and it's like who gave what, him a license in what world would he be able to drive it was like it was such an afterthought and it was so funny to me because it was dumb who gave him a license are the rules different at halloween town maybe magic buses <laughs> the age is 13 who knows? <laughs> and magic brooms because they let Marnie was going to learn how to fly hers. Anything that flies in Halloween Town doesn't require a license to drive. That's terrifying. They did have a skeleton driving a taxi, so who knows what the rules are? There are no <laughs> rules in Halloween Town. That that's actually why they separated the worlds is because all of the monsters were like, "Man, I don't want to get a license. Let me drive." <laughs> I don't want to sit at the DMV for hours. <laughs> Halloween Town got it right. DMVs are the true evil. <laughs> Calabar runs a DMV. <laughs> That's what radicalized him. <laughs> okay, this is just not so much like overall script thing. This is like a line thing that I hated. <laughs> After the part where grandma and the mom get frozen which by the way i did want to bring up the real like the dramatic action in this movie really doesn't start until like an hour in did you feel that as well like i mean i was never bored at any point but i didn't realize how far into the movie we get before they go they go to search for the things for that potion right and that's actually uh, the whole frozen scene and then how the dramatic action comes in later is actually my last two points on my dislike list. So talk about what you were going to talk about. Oh, after that point, when they're like, when they don't have grandma Aggie to help them anymore, it felt like every other line that Marnie said started with grandma says, Mm -hmm. she said it so much. Grandma says, do you remember what grandma said? Right. Grandma says, Oh, did you remember what grandma told us? Like every single, they could have just, syntax could have been a different word. They could have figured out a different way. I felt like every other second I was just hearing, 
grandma said this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, just, I was like, it, it became annoying and it took me out of the movie because yeah. I noticed it so much. I also hated the line, Calabar's line at the end, the power of evil is stronger than good. It's just very on the nose. Yeah, it's a little too We didn't on the need nose. that. We didn't need that at all. Yeah. <laughs> My issue with the whole frozen scene. They shouldn't have frozen Gwen. She should have been the one to help the girls and then they would have a whole like bonding thing. There would have been more of a moment with her and her daughter. She would have have to become the witch again and come back into that world. I think her kind of stepping back into it and being like, oh, it's fine now, was a little abrupt at the end. So I feel like if they would have added her into that whole mix and then she could have taught the girls, it would have made a more interesting relationship, I think. That's, that is interesting because I, I didn't think about that and I would have loved to have seen that film. I think that that really could have been that. But again, I do like her sacrificing herself for Grandma Aggie, pushing mm-hmm. her out of the way. I did think that that was an interesting moment for her character because it did show how connected she still is to her grandma, her, to her mother. And yeah. then I do like the idea of the kids on their own trying to figure things out. But that is like, because I think that turns it into a different film, but it makes it a very interesting film. Like I like both iterations of that. Mm-hmm. and I, But I do agree with you that Gwen's character development kind of like did a 180 very quickly. Yeah, uh, like- which is something I did want to discuss. Gwen is Gwen kind of a bad mom because <laughs> on paper, I think the actress makes her very likable. Mm-hmm. Uh to the point where I'm never like, wow, I hate her. But yeah. watching this, it is messed up that Gwen has unilaterally decided that Marnie is a witch but she's going to get rid of her powers. Like, I think that is very messed up. And then even after Marnie discovers it, she doesn't allow Marnie to have the choice. I love the line where Marnie is like, you know, this is your choice to give up this world, but you shouldn't make that choice for me. I don't want to give that up. And I think yeah. that that was like a very messed up thing to do. I completely and, agree. Yeah. I like if the actress hadn't made Gwen so likable, I think. Gwen would be without a doubt a horrible person like a horrible mom yeah she would have been another villain and I think they they kind of made her like Marnie's villain I guess Mm -hmm. but I agree that line that Marnie says when I heard it I was like agreed like that yeah that's very true she should have that choice I feel Um, like the writer's kind of wrote it to be like, oh, this is a mom doing mom things. Because, you know, when you're a kid, oh, mom just likes to stamp out the fun. But Mm -hmm. watching this as an adult, this isn't just mom stamping out the fun. This is, like, huge life decisions. Right. And also, like, if they would have explained it more with, like, her backstory, like, maybe something went wrong when she was, like, a witch and she didn't want her daughters to go through that. You know, like, if they gave more, it was just kind of like, I hate being a witch. And, like, that was it. I I have written down, why does Gwen hate Halloween Town? Not just being a witch and magic and the Cromwell line. She hates Halloween Town and Halloween in general. Like, viscerally to where her kids aren't even allowed to participate. Right, And I don't think we ever fully got an explanation for that 
other than her just saying, I want a normal life and I want my kids to have a normal life. And I was like, that's boring. That's very boring. No, give me a Gwen spinoff. Give me like, (laughs) let me see her life story. I want to know what got her to this point. So yeah, that like the whole Gwen's motivation. And I guess I guess I'm going to go into my biggest uh, critique of this script is I think the ending gets very muddled mm-hmm. after they find everything and, you know, they realize they have to put the pumpkin into or the thing into the pumpkin. I think that it just gets very muddled when Calabar comes out. First of all, I don't really fully understand Calabar's motivation. I think the yeah. actor played him as such a wonderful villain. He's so evil and like sinister. I think he did so good. But I don't understand his motivation because he's on this town hall and he's like, we've been banished to this second class world. And I, first of all, it was their choice. Like the, the people of Halloween Town chose to separate worlds. And mm-hmm. I, what about Halloween Town is second class to the mortal right. world? Because it looks like a great place to live. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't I didn't understand that. And then what you were talking about, the people are kind of like, yeah, we're on board. I like I didn't understand how the people felt about this plan, because otherwise, yeah. you know, Calabar's the mayor. If this if they felt this already, he didn't have to go all evil, creepy mask man. He could have just been like, let's do a policy change and have a vote. <laughs> um, right. So I, I, that's why I didn't really dig the people being like, "Yeah, he has points," because I feel like he didn't. It didn't justify him going all dictator, evil man. Right. Um, but yeah, I just felt like his, like he. I guess he wanted to break the portal and go back into the world. Why? <laughs> it See, didn't. I agree. Like I think the ending was just a little too easy if i'm being honest it was just a little too like plain and easy um the the humming scene was very anticlimactic for me yeah and i like talking about the dramatic action coming in so late i was like they could have really like milked a lot of this stuff of them trying to figure out how to do everything and i would have loved them see or I would have loved to see them fail a little more and kind of stumble and figure it out because it just seemed way too easy for these young kids to figure it out when their grandma Aggie, who apparently is the best witch in the world, can't yeah. do it herself. Like yeah. that. Well, you need more than just one Cromwell witch. <laughs> right. But they had barely a Cromwell witch and then Sophie. <laughs> So I'm like, hold on, how does this fit? Like if we had Aggie and Sophie or like Gwen and Sophie and then Marnie as well, then that would make sense. And Dylan, we can't forget about Dylan. That's true. But Dylan didn't find his powers till the end. They didn't know he could help. I will say, I liked that. I liked that little uh, discovery. I liked that they didn't alienate him. I Mm liked that they brought him into it. But I just think the resolution was too easy. And I was like, I wish they would have, push the dramatic action a little further and like let us see way more it felt rushed it felt very rushed. which i mean that i think that that was a sacrifice that was made to accommodate the amazing world building that they did because the dramatic action doesn't really start until an hour into the movie that entire first hour is world building which i loved Mm -hmm. but i think you know the movie's only an hour and a half Right. So I I would have loved a two-hour Halloween town. 
where we got that first hour of world building and a second hour of dramatic action, higher stakes, you know, and maybe less muddled. We understand his motivations more. Yeah. So that was my last thing that I, but it didn't ruin the movie for me. No. And I think if I would have changed like something, I think keeping the whole like sibling group trying to figure it out and make Marnie look like the hero. And then Sophie comes out and she's actually the one who saves it. I think that would have been very interesting because it's still or just write Marnie a little better. Cause I do like Marnie as the lead. I I don't want to see a movie starring Sophie, but I want to see her have a bigger part. Cause I think that she is the most interesting character in the film, but I do like Kimberly J Brown holding it down. See, I disagree. Write write Marnie better. That's my thing is I think it could have been write Marnie better and have Sophie and her be a tandem lead. But a a tandem lead. Yes. I also I would love to see a movie of Sophie learning how to use her powers. That would be so interesting. I know. I want to see that movie, but I don't want it to be this movie. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, (laughs) We are on the, you and I are fully on the same page about Sophie and how she is phenomenal. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go into the fashion. I don't have much to talk about. I don't either, but a little bit. You start, Um, go ahead. Gwen's outfits. I would wear those right now. Those are coming back into fashion and I love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I loved her denim jacket. It was cute. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I also, if you couldn't tell, I'm kind of in love with Gwen. I think she is a <laughs> hot mom. I love gingers and she came on screen and I went, okay, hello. <laughs> I do also think they did Dylan dirty with his costume. <laughs> I, I his wanna, little we're adult. Dylan, we're talking about Dylan. Um, did you see the ass on that pimple suit he was wearing? <laughs> yes. Not the child, and please no one think I'm talking about a child's butt. The costume that they put him in had a defined butt on it. <laughs> you see it for a split second as he walks away, and it was so funny. It was. It was hilarious. I like I do gotta say, I love his glasses. Big yes. Fan. He's um, just a little cutie. But just like the button-up with like the high-waisted pants it was just such like a nerdy dad look i believed it i believed it though that that's how a kid would dress in the 90s if he was a dork yeah i mean it made sense for his character but i was like dang i wish they'd give him a little (laughs) something (laughs) Uh, i i think uh aggie's witch dresses are so iconic i that was my last one is aggie's outfit iconic So they're good. like the the both like the purpley one and then the red one, which the purpley one is what I picture her in when I think of yes. it because I think they they you see that dress come back in all the other movies, but the yeah. red one is my favorite. It's very pretty. I Sophie's line when she's like, "Oh, Grandma's already dressed up for Halloween." I was like, "Savage," <laughs> <Just> <laughs> ruined her. <laughs> it was so funny um, to me. Oh, I loved Marnie's bangs. They're cute. Marnie's Marnie's bangs were a look. They I were liked, a look. I liked that haircut on Kimberly J. Brown. Yeah, I think she pulls it off. It's very it's a it's just so cute. So let's hop into some fun facts that I yes. have. I have a few because people love this movie. So the budget for this film was four million dollars. However, when it was presented to director Dwayne Dunham, it was pitched to him as having a $20 million budget. Ooh. Yeah. Whoa. So they kind of 
<laughs> they hoodwinked him. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. They they really did. So they they really had to like turn quick and adapt to that. Uh, they did the well. Whole, yeah, they did. The whole movie was shot in 24 days. Whoa. Yeah. A That's very crazy. quick shooting schedule. 24 days. And that broom scene was the last thing they filmed. And uh, that was Kimberly J. Brown's, like, one of her favorite things because she got to spend the whole day with Debbie Reynolds, which That's I would so also. I love that. If I was Kimberly J. Brown, I would never shut up about getting to work with Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> never in my life. Yeah. That would be the only thing I talked about for the rest of my life. Also, this is something that I found very interesting. The original script for this movie was a lot scarier because it was supposed to be sold to NBC and aired as a TV movie. But when NBC passed on it, they sold it to Disney Channel and they had to scale it down to make it a lot less scary for kids. So, like, the original ending, instead of putting the talisman in the pumpkin, it involved Marnie going through this uh, enchanted forest to the center of it. But as she's going through the forest, she gets progressively older and older until she's about to die. So, it, the, I, I, think, I think a lot of our negatives that we had with the script at the end... I think it in the original script, it probably would have been a lot better and would have fixed anything that we talked about. Right. That's so crazy. Yeah. I would it's, love to see that version. Isn't that of the movie. crazy? Yeah. I would too. I would 100% love to see like that alternate ending. It probably would have made Marnie more interesting, you know? Probably. And saved like, saved like the muddled parts of the ending. Also, that flaming hairdryer that we see in the barbershop scene. Yeah. That was real. That was not CGI. Kimberly J. Brown said that that was actually real. She was holding like, I don't know what they did to make it, but those were real flames and she was holding the real hairdryer. And I'm assuming it's because uh, child labor on sets was a lot more lax in the 90s. Okay, my jaw is dropped. <laughs> That's <laughs> so scary and unsafe yeah, she, for like, a she child. talked about how it feels, how it felt so hot. <laughs> Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah they gave a child a flamethrower for this that's movie. insane yeah i just thought that was super fun and you know what it looked great <laughs> they yeah. should do that more often give children <laughs> flamethrowers bring oh that God. back normalize giving children flamethrowers <laughs> every child around town is like walking with a flamethrower yeah. Oh uh, and then my last fun fact is just something very sweet because I personally love Debbie Reynolds so much. So uh, according to Kimberly J. Brown, Debbie Reynolds would introduce herself to everyone on set as Princess Leia's mom. Oh, my heart. <laughs> yeah. How cute and sweet is that? That is so precious. See, I love it. Debbie Reynolds is forever in my heart from Singing in the Rain. Oh, of course. Um, this my go-to feel-good movie and so then i i think of her in that but then halloween town is mentioned and i see her face in halloween town and it's so interesting to me but yeah oh my god she really had a great career like bookends of wonderful films (laughs) yes in halloween town (laughs) yeah honestly so speaking of actors Mm -hmm. where are they now we have Kimberly J. Brown. Of course, we would have to start with the lead, KJB. Marnie. So 
recently, in May of 2021, she joined the cast of General Hospital, um, which is the most recent thing she has done. So, soap operas, okay. Yeah. She also runs an Etsy store with her friend called Craftily Creative that sells Halloween Town merch. I love which that. I looked it up and the pictures of her like wearing the shirts are precious. And in 2016, she published a Halloween themed children's book called Poppin's Pumpkin Patch Parade. <laughs> I so love I, that. So she is riding this career in Halloween yes. world. And I love that for her. Oh, no. So I actually knew a, a bit about Kimberly J. Brown because I follow her on Instagram. And I, I've seen people, some people are kind of mean to her. About like, oh, you're still like riding this Halloween town. You were 13. And I like I said, if I acted in a movie opposite Debbie Reynolds, I also would make it my entire personality. Yeah. Also, <laughs> like, let her girl make her that life. money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, make that money. It's fun and she's having a good time and the shirts are cute. <laughs> let her live. This is a fierce Kimberly J. Brown stan podcast. <laughs> So now we got to move on to our girl, Sophie, Emily Roski. Mm. So she actually, after Halloween Town High, she retired from acting at the age of 13. She what? did. She did do. Um, oh, I didn't write down. There was a ninja movie that she did because she is actually a second degree black belt. Oh, that's in martial lit. arts. Yeah. That's lit. And as of IMDb. She lives in Surprise, Arizona with her husband and their dogs and their one daughter. Oh! And, and she has also won several national and world martial arts championships. This is the best outcome <laughs> I can think of for her. Because, you know, a lot of child actors end up having a lot of, like, mental health problems and right. legal problems later in life. This is the best possible outcome I could ever imagine. <laughs> I know. I'm so I was happy like, for her. I know. I was like, okay, she retired from acting at 13. Oh no, what happened? And then I was like, oh, she's happy living her life. This is so good. <laughs> she just wants to have dinner with her husband, raise her kid, and kick some ass on the side. Like, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and lastly, we have Robin Thomas as Calabar. Now, Ooh. I do want to say one thing that I noticed. Calabar is spelled with a C in the credits of the first movie, but then spelled with a K everywhere else. Hmm. So <laughs> first thing I noticed, I'm a big continuity person. So that when I first saw that, I was like, hold on. I paused the movie and I went back and looked at the second movie and I was like, that's a K. Hold maybe on. they were like, maybe they were like, a K is more sinister. Yeah, we're like, a C <laughs> is not evil enough. No. <laughs> um <laughs> But anyway, Robin Thomas, he's appeared in many TV shows. He's famous for some TV shows that he did in the 80s. But since Halloween Town, he's done NCIS, multiple different versions of CSI, Queer as Folk, Criminal Minds, and what I know him from, which I was racking my brain trying to figure out where I saw him. He was Greg's dad in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love that <laughs> show. Our and, producer is losing his mind right now because he loves that show. <laughs> um, and I was like, I know I've seen him somewhere. And when I read that, I was like, yes, yes. I, he is so good in that show too. Highly recommend Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. 
I I need to watch it because I do love Calabar in this movie. <laughs> it's so good. He's so good as Greg's dad. It's insane. It's wow. so good. He also appeared in films. So Pacific Rim, he's famous for Summer School and The Contender. One of the recent ones is he was an interviewer in Seaburg, the Kristen Stewart movie that came oh. out, I think in 2019 or 2020. Great movie. Highly recommend. Fun fact about him. He is also a sculptor. Wow. So, yeah. In, I think, the 80s or 90s, he had his sculptures in Tiffany windows in New York. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but I love he's, that for him. He's still doing a lot of stuff. He's in a bunch of TV shows. He's killing it. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. Well, and then hopefully we'll, we can do some more deep dives on the other actors in the subsequent Halloween Town films. Yes, absolutely. But now it is time to wrap it up, kind of give us some final thoughts on this film. For me, I just, I, you know, the world building, amazing. The practical effects, the makeup, the costumes, the puppets, and, you know, the actors, the actors put their all into this. So much effort was put into this movie and you can you can see it. It shows it's so good. And really, the only thing was that the ending was a little muddled. You know, I mean, yeah. we talked about how like Luke could have been integrated better. Maybe Gwen could have had a little bit more going on. But overall, I thought that this was just a really good movie and not just good for Disney Channel. I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, I, w- I was a little nervous watching this back. So I, I have a like, place in my heart for Halloween Town. And I was a little scared watching it back as an adult because I haven't seen it in years. But it's definitely worth the watch. And I think even the little things that we feel like could change or be better, it's, it still lives up to what you want it to be. It still is everything that you want to sit down and watch on a fall night getting ready for Halloween. 100%. I probably will watch this again. Like, getting more into October, I probably will watch it again. (laughs) Just because it is so good. I'll absolutely watch it again. It's the perfect way to, like, get into the Halloween spirit, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm so glad that we agreed (laughs) on how good this movie is. And I'll agree with the Rotten Tomatoes. 80%. Yeah, absolutely. I think the audience score is surprising that it's lower. Yeah, yeah, that's messed up. I think it's a bunch of haters going on and like messing with the curve. Yeah, probably. But Rotten Tomatoes had it right. Yes, (laughs) that's for sure. So this is gonna, since this is the first movie that we're doing, uh, we don't have anything to compare it to yet. So it will be put onto our ranking list. And Join us back next week when we will be watching Twitches. I am very excited for Twitches. Oh, I loved this movie and I hope it doesn't get ruined. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm I'm a little worried. I'm I'm but I I love Twitches. Yeah. So very excited about that. Megan, where can you find us online? You can find us on Instagram at Disney Channel Unoriginal Pod. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. I'm Sabrina. I'm Megan. And you've been listening to D Cup, the Disney Channel Unoriginal Podcast. Dun, 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 dun.